Mully and Hall. Fantastic, fantastic show. Chicago sports talk for your morning. Oh, man, I really wanted to talk to him. Appreciate the love, big homie. And as long as I'm playing, I... I want to improve and get better, and I think next year is going to be a lot better than this year. I think people are picking the Bucks because of Tom Brady. It is remarkable still to see how far he has come since the days when he was the quarterback at Michigan competing with Brian Greasy. Remember him? Boy, has he lasted a long time. He's played against both Antoine Winfields, you know, the father and son. It's extraordinary that this guy is still playing. It's just beyond belief. And to hear him, as we did, talking about how he's going to be better next year. And he has said earlier in the week that he honestly believes he can play beyond age 45. I'm stunned that the guy's still able to play at 43. I'm stunned that he's on this team. You know, we talked to Dan Pompey before the playoffs began, and he said, well, they're getting better as the year goes on. That could be a really dangerous team in the playoffs. How did they get here? I mean, it's just extraordinary that that Tom Brady is still standing. And part of your bewilderment is based on the fact that you saw this team lose to the Bears. Yeah. Well, that's pers- true. That's you know, true. The, yes. the Bears beat the team that is going to potentially win the Super Bowl on Sunday in the eyes of a lot of people. How did that happen? Remember, wasn't it fun that Thursday night in October? Four down and five. Brady passes. Broken up. Incomplete. And the Chicago Bears are going to take over. DeAndre Houston Carson was there for Chicago. Brady, I think he, the way Brady reacted and hold up his fourth, I think he thought it was third down. And Brady's still standing out there. Tommy. And he holds up four fingers and he looks as old as ever. And then something happened and the Bucks are a different team since then. Maybe the Bears woke him up, I don't know. But that was strange to consider. Mike Mulligan and David Hall on 670 The Score. Sports Radio 670, the score. We are normally on your radio every morning from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. But today, it's Super Bowl day. Today, we are doing a special emergency Super Bowl broadcast. Good morning, David. Good afternoon, Molly. Good it afternoon. Is morning. It is now past noon, and we are wide awake and ready to go and build a bridge to our pregame show. Yeah, usually, and we will be back tomorrow, 5 to 9, talking about what happens tonight in the game of the year. But what fun this will be. Finally, we get football after two weeks of hype. We get a game to break down, and it still is football. Beyond all the pomp and circumstance and all the stories and, and distractions, we will have X's and O's tonight to break down. Looking forward to it at 530. Yes, and we will get into, if you want to tune in tomorrow, starting at 5, we will be getting into the Bears' possibilities at quarterback. There are rumors circulating around the NFL about the possibility of the Bears making a big trade and bringing in Carson Wentz to Chicago. I can tell you, David, that I would be very surprised if that were to happen today. I cannot imagine... Roger Goodell, the fine folks in New York, going along with any trades that could upstage the Super Bowl, even just in Chicago, maybe just in Philadelphia. That would be too much for them to approve of. So I would imagine that wouldn't be happening today. And maybe it doesn't happen at all. There are a lot of rumors. I'm sure you're talking to people around the league as I have been. And it's been kind of fun to hear all of the misdirection stuff. Um, exciting 
and also really weird and really bizarre, and we'll have really good thoughts on it tomorrow morning. Yeah, there's speculation that's part of the off season. This is the silly season. It's the lying season. You're going to get a lot of this stuff happen. I would hope that there would be some sort of moratorium on transactions on Super Bowl Sunday because of the speculation, because of the attention that should be focused rightly in Tampa on the game between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. And there's a lot to discuss in in regard to the Bears and whether or not Carson Wentz would be worth what some of the proposed packages may or may not be. And we will have plenty of time, as we have in the the last couple weeks, to talk tomorrow about the Bears' situation and, and possibilities and what they would give up for Wentz. But let's you know what? We carved out a couple hours this afternoon to talk about two teams who have the answers at quarterback, not to talk about the one that doesn't in town. So Chiefs and Bucks, it will be. Yes, and uh, and let's start the conversation with talking about the extraordinary voyage to get here. And I'm talking about playing football, a football season in a pandemic. And we know that since August 1st, The NFL has conducted more than just under a million tests, 950,000 plus tests to to figure out all the data that was needed. They had these wristbands where they could judge close contact. There were, and and I, I hate to say it this way, but I think in the midst of this thing, the idea that they went through a football season with just over three dozen players that actually tested positive. Uh, the fact that they played 256 games, and there were a few that were that were moved, or there were a few exceptions on starting on time or on the right day, but virtually none of them were postponed to a point that really affected the season. There was no week 18 needed. We thought that that would be cut out, and maybe there'd be a chance there'd be week 18 games. Did not happen. And here we are this morning with uh, – it's not a morning. God, I'm having to have a problem with that all day. It's close to bedtime. Uh, but here we are <laughs> – It's nap time. <laughs> with this Super Bowl going off on schedule. Pretty extraordinary when you think of the season that's behind us. It's remarkable, Molly. And I think that when you take a step back and you look at it and, – and I and I to generalize, it seems like it is – Uh, an impressive display of personal discipline because it required for, you know, the players and the coaches and the support staff to adhere to all these protocols day after day, week after week to get all these games in to avoid, uh, you know, cancellations. Now there were some postponements. They did pivot. They did adjust. And I think in the midst of the, the Titans outbreak, I think the NFL tightened some things, around the league and the teams responded to that. We have seen certainly lapses in judgment and certainly people who were you know, had slip-ups. That's going to happen. When you talk about as many people, 53 players on every team, and you talk about the coaching staff, that, that you're going to have hiccups. But they did a remarkable job in getting the season in and forging ahead when people thought, you know, and, and, and let's be honest. I mean, there were times I think you and I talked about how it, what, it questioned the wisdom of going forward despite in, in the face of some of these health risks. But they did it, and they did it relatively safely. And here we are with one game left to go. And I think that Roger Goodell can be pretty proud of the way his league responded to the health crisis in front of them and dealt with COVID in, in a way that made you know many in the league proud and, and, it, and probably was exemplary when you look around and what the other leagues have done as well. And obviously the storyline today is about quarterbacking, about the importance of that in the league, about who's the greatest player of all time. We know the answer 
as of right now, but we're watching a young career that has a possibility of, of catching, if not exceeding, a guy that has defied father time. And, you know, the, the, the real surprising story when you think about Tom Brady is that he, since turning 35 years old, has won more playoff games than any quarterback in the history of the league. So, I mean, what kind of – how do you judge Patrick Mahomes as great as he's been when – that's what's out there in front of them. You're doing great, Pat, but when you turn 35, you really better start winning. Yeah. Life begins at 35 for NFL quarterbacking legends. Look, I'm not going to go all Tony Romo on you. I thought that was the most absurd comment of the week, and I really like Romo as an analyst. But I don't think that Patrick Mahomes has to beat Tom Brady in order to one day say that he is greater than him as a quarterback. It's way too premature to make that kind of declaration. It sounds like clickbait to me. Uh, but I think that you can look at, you can look at how how high that mountain is and how 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 lofty the standard has been set by Tom Brady to question whether or not anybody can get to that point. It's too early to say that. There's 18 year difference between them in terms of age and. And I think that, you know, the, the furthest that we can probably go is that based on what we have seen from Mahomes later tonight, we're going to see a matchup between the best there ever was against the best there ever may be in Patrick Mahomes. And he still has an opportunity to do that given the number of championships and given the style with which he plays, Molly, there's a flair that I think makes him special beyond just the accomplishments. He would be special if he didn't have the Super Bowl rings and he may be on his way to, to matching Brady or surpassing him one day. But, but Brady's magic is in sort of this methodical magnificence. He is, he is so consistent, but I think stylistically, Mahomes, he's got a lot more uh, flamboyance. And I think that is what we, we appreciate and that's what we're looking forward to tonight. So it's a classic matchup. Old versus new, changing of the guard, the heir apparent, all of these things in play. I, I just think it's so much fun because I think that when we look at the contrasting styles, you know, the 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 incredibly mobile, uh, strong-armed, throw-off-the-back foot, do-whatever-you-want-make-a-play quarterback, um, when the play breaks down, Patrick Mahomes really can be at his best. And there's yep. Tom Brady who, if the play breaks down, throw it away, Tom, throw it away. <laughs> it, it's right. just such a contrast in styles. But what Brady has is this kind of field generalship, this kind of cool as a cucumber. Uh, I mean, the guy fell asleep in the locker room before his first Super Bowl, which was back when they played uh, the greatest show on turf. Does anyone even remember it? It was such but it was a late. long time ago. It was late. Those <laughs> games go off late. But And Patrick Mahomes is, is – in. He is just the – he's kind of this, you know, Earl the Pearl Monroe of quarterbacks. It's unbelievable what he can do with the ball. He, it's They play this grass basketball game, talking about the Chiefs, generally speaking, that offense so high-powered, so many weapons. I guess, David, and I haven't seen this as a gimmick bet, but what are the odds that Mahomes throws an underhanded uh, touchdown pass? I, that's a possibility. <laughs> fact, it's that it's by design. Well, 
And then, then there's another bet, an under, underhanded no touchdown pass. <laughs> kind of the look, yes. look away. Look, you know, Molly, last night we were all treated to Steph Curry scoring 57 against the Mavs and Steph Curry doing the shimmy after hitting one from basically, you know, a step across half court. And when Steph Curry plays like he did last night, it brings to mind Patrick Mahomes. These are special players, once in a generation type of guys. And that's what you see every time Patrick Mahomes takes the field. Here's what I think is also kind of ironic about this contrast, and you're exactly right about the stylistic differences between the two, in that you look at the coaches and you look at the schemes and you look at the styles and the personalities of these coaches, and you could just as easily see Tom Brady fitting in with Andy Reid who, you know, the West Coast offense, do what you need to do, kind of a paint-by-numbers approach, and then Patrick Mahomes is probably even a better fit you know, in terms of schematically and philosophically with Bruce Arians, the, you know, no risk it, no biscuit type approach. And yet they're on opposite sides. And it's a power. It speaks to how important it is in football. We know this in Chicago. We know this well, watching what the Bears have done and failed to do the last three years. Today's two teams are great examples of what happens when coaches comply adjust and adapt based on their talent in front of them now these are generational talents but it still underscores the importance to do that and both coaches have done that it, it is almost unrealistic to think that and I know we're seeing the great quarterback migration the great explosion of movement of quarterbacks you know it's going to be an unbelievable offseason but it's almost beyond comprehension to actually believe that a quarterback can be signed, no matter how talented a team, can be signed onto a team that that has seven wins or maybe eight in the local football team's uh, case. But the idea that you can get a guy and you can get to 14 wins and counting, that you can bring in, by virtue of bringing in a player, really changing one position. Now, they ended up adding more weaponry as as, uh, after Tom signed, but the idea that you could go out and sign a guy and he could bring this sort of knowledge of winning to a team, a, a talented team and a young team and a defense that's getting better and weaponry, as we said, uh, on offense. But to take that team and to go from seven wins to, to what you're seeing now, the Chiefs are an entity unto themselves. They, they, are, they won the Super Bowl and they're trying for the repeat, but – to, to go out and bring in a quarterback, and, and, and age aside, because I, I think the age thing is extraordinary and right. makes it a totally different story, but just the idea that you can go out and get someone and improve by as many games as, uh, as you won a year ago, it, it's extraordinary. It, it really is, and, and I think that when you look at you know the proverbial player away, every team that doesn't win the Super Bowl. They look at their offseason and, and they make the argument in their fan base or in the local media or maybe in their own building. Now, we're only a player away here or there in many cases. Well, the Bucs tr- truly were, and, and, but it was the player that allowed them. Now, it wasn't necessarily just his talent. It wasn't just his ability, but it was the power that he gave everybody else in that building to believe in something special could happen. And he empowered the front office to go out and get the proper players and the right mix around him. And so they did not have as much of a reason, or maybe they weren't didn't know what they were looking for before they had Tom Brady. They signed, they signed Tom Brady, 
And then there's a lot more specific in terms of what you're looking for. You go out and get Gronkowski and you go out and you, you know, Leonard Fournette, who, you know, was just popped into your lap in, in August after getting cut. And that was something that they were aggressively and they went out and got him. They drafted a tackle. They did everything strategic in with that in mind that, hey, if we can just fit this around this, this, this one guy, he's the right guy and we can. You know, we can be where they are today. Now, that's what everybody thinks, but actually it is remarkable that Tom Brady actually made that come true in Tampa. 312-644-6767. Any way the game lives up to the hype? There's a lot of hype about these quarterbacks. Wouldn't it be something if it's just like, uh, I don't know, three yards in a cloud of rain? Uh, it would be pretty interesting. We'll uh, we'll discuss it. It's Molly and Haw special emergency Super Bowl broadcast on Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. Let's also remember as we're, we're giving all the accolades to Tom and he deserves them. Tom and the offense hasn't been great in every one of his Super Bowls. You know they've lost some Super Bowls and they've also relied on their defense to win some of their Super Bowls. So while Tom has had a great ability to help lead a team to get to Super Bowls. There have been different outcomes and different sides of the ball. And in all honesty, obviously, the offense needs to play well because usually you have to score a decent amount against Kansas City. But listen, they're in the Super Bowl. They got by Green Bay because of their defense. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. That's Mike Golick. We actually had him on as a guest, if you can believe cool. it. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's down at the Super Bowl as a um, as a as a spokesman, as a uh, ex athlete, not as a broadcaster. And uh, and we had a chance to talk to him. We took advantage of it. And you know, it's a it's an interesting point about how Tom is done. Tom threw three picks in his last game in the second half of the game at Green Bay, and Tom has thrown three interceptions in four of his playoff games, three of which his team has won. And the three interceptions in the half came after the first two quarters in which he was nearly flawless, Molly. And right. I think that's the thing that it was definitely a contrast in, in performances in, in, from one half to the next. You wonder which quarterback we'll see today. You wonder if the Chiefs can pressure him into making the mistakes that he made in the second half. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think it's going to be – Tom Brady at the top of his game uh, when people are looking to him to make something happen. And both quarterbacks, I think, are going to play uh, a very – they're going to deliver. It's going to be – the game will will swing on, on maybe just the, the inability uh, – and we'll get into the specifics later – of the Bucks to, to stop the, the number of Chiefs' weapons. But I don't think either quarterback making a, a critical error – is going to be the, why one team beats the other. I think that both quarterbacks are going to rise to the occasion and do what you expect them to do. Uh, David, obviously, we are um, we are not going to spend a lot of time talking about assistant coaches in this game. I know how you feel about assistant coaches and what they do and what they might not do. Uh, however, uh, all the work and preparation has been done. However, there is a horror story out there. And that has to do with one of the Kansas City Chiefs assistant coaches, and that is Britt Reed. He is the son of Andy Reed, and he was involved in a three-car accident. And it wasn't really a three-car accident. He hit two cars while um, while drinking, apparently. He, he said he, he told the police. They said he had bloodshot eyes and that he had uh, – he had um, 
alcohol smell upon him. This was uh, Friday. And he ended up, was it Friday or Saturday? I, I'm, I'm lost in my days and in my time. Uh, anyway, he did not go to the Super Bowl. He will not be attending. He um, he injured two children. A, a guy, yeah. his car broke down on a ramp getting onto the highway, apparently called family members. Uh, a husband and wife arrived with their two, children's in, two children in the car, and, uh, and this guy came on to, to – just swung onto the uh, the entrance ramp going too fast right by the chief stadium and rammed into the two cars and there is a five year old that is in um, that that is in the uh, intensive care unit and um, had suffered some serious injuries. The four year old was injured, but um, it, it wasn't something that apparently was life threatening, and we don't know how uh, the five year old is. Uh, at any rate, he was obviously. Uh, arrested there you know the story this morning is that um, mothers against drunk driving trying to meet with the chiefs we don't know all of the circumstances and everything that happened but uh, but the fact of the matter is that this Andy Reid's family is very troubled Britt Reid is a troubled um, was a troubled young man and I don't know that we had heard a lot about this as I as I looked this morning just to I, I really wanted to check on the condition of the child. I was very worried about the two kids involved. It just breaks your heart when you hear something like that, right? And um, and I ended up seeing a bunch of stories from last year at the Super Bowl and the father and son and the redemption story that is Britt Reed after everything that happened to him. And, and for people who don't know, uh, Britt had an older brother, Garrett, who died of a heroin overdose um, at training camp when Andy was coach of the, uh, of the Eagles. They were at Lehigh University. And um, the two boys both were arrested 13 years ago on the same day, totally different incidences. Um, uh, Britt Reed had uh, gotten into some sort of a traffic dispute, started shouting at someone, jumped out of the car. He was 22 years old, screaming at a guy, and the guy screaming back at him, and he went back into his truck and brought out a, uh, a gun, and a 45 caliber handgun, and he pointed it at the guy and started making violent threats. Anyway, he ends up getting arrested. They find a bunch of drugs. You know, his issue apparently, um, when he was a freshman in high school, he injured his back lifting weights. This is the story. And he got addicted to opioids. And we know what a crisis that is in this country and the, the horror that people have gone through. And uh, and by whatever it was, seven, eight years later, he is now uh, waving a gun around and, and his brother had been dealing drugs. And his brother was arrested on the same day in a completely different incident. He had passed out uh, due to heroin at the wheel of his car. So the two brothers are arrested, so they go into the Reed house. It's, it's just the most horrific thing you can ever hear about and how out of control these two boys were. Well, yeah, there's a lot there because, you know, we look at Andy Reed and, and obviously we judge him from the football perspective. And, and as a coach, he's headed to the Hall of Fame. And tonight he could be – uh, celebrating something no other NFL coach has celebrated since Bill Belichick in, you know, about, about um, 17 years ago, you know, back-to-back Super Bowl championships. And there will be, you know, what will l- look like a coronation of a football coach. And, and with that comes 
a lot of looking the other way, and, and we we see it all the time. And and not that you know it's fair to Andy Reid to to give him the praise he has earned as a Hall of Fame level football coach. And this is the uncomfortable reality for you know and and every parent's worst fear. There's a five year old girl who hasn't woken up yet based on that car accident, and she's in intensive care. And that's that's a, a tragic as uh, as a, a tragic part of this story. And nobody. Uh, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it is. And that's part of the Chiefs' reality they're dealing with. And, and Andy Reid must have a lot of emotions in the last you know, 48, 72 hours uh, as he gets on the biggest stage in his sport tonight. But but again, it, it, that's football, and, and that's his career. There, there are other things that mattered every bit as much as that. And, and there's you know, the, what you pointed out. It, it, this was, a, this was a, a lapse in judgment. We talked about, you know, in the first segment about how the protocols and how players did the right things in in terms of living their lives and and getting all these uh, negative tests and doing what they needed to do in this, in this pandemic. But what, based on what, uh, based on what Britt Reed told police, you know, we had a couple of drinks and he got behind the wheel and, and that he's got a history. And so that is something that was unfortunate, but it's something you can't ignore. And it's got to be part of the entire picture when you're talking about how great of a coach and, and man that Andy Reid is. This is something that no parent ever wants to deal with, whether you're the parent of the somebody involved who, who caused a crash or certainly, God forbid, the parent of, of somebody involved in it. So this is just a, an unfortunate side note to, uh, to the biggest football sports story of the year. I wonder if we'll hear about that on the broadcast. I wonder if I, you know, I didn't see any mention of it on the early post game sh- or pregame shows that I saw. Um, you know, and and the thing is, this is this is this is a very difficult story, and this is one where you talk about uh, Britt Reed is a married man with three children of his own. And, and the idea was that he had turned his life around and all these things that happened in his past were, were far gone. And um, Andy Reid, he did, a, he did a magazine story. He and his wife talked to uh, a Philadelphia publication after their son died, and they talked about their children growing up and the idea that while like all these other parents are dropping the kids off at practice and taking your kids, you've been through it with hockey. Um, we, you know, I've been through with all my kids playing different sports. You, you've got to pick them up and drop them off and you got to go watch the game and all the rest of it. And, and you have great joy in that. And everybody listening knows how great that is. Andy and his wife talked about taking their kids to rehab, going in and out of rehab and dealing with this for years and years. And, uh, you know, you can't even begin to fathom what that is like. And, and, you know, I know people, I'm sure you know people who have who have been dogged by this horror in their own lives with their own children. And you pray that that sort of thing doesn't happen to anyone. And it's, it's, just, it's just an awful, awful story. And now this guy is coaching in, the, in a, you know, as big a moment in his life as, as you know, you're going to see professionally. And I don't know how that affects you as a coach. I'm sure he's used to compartmentalizing and doing what has to be done. And as I said, all of the preparation is already done. But you do have to wonder uh, how that would haunt someone going through with such a thing. Well, I think Andy Reid has probably gotten to the, the pinnacle of his profession by having the ability to compartmentalize. You know, he has been through, yeah. unfortunately, these kinds of things before. And coaches, 
in in their professional you know lives, and especially coaches, I think, as driven and fixated as they are on the football aspect, they're able to do that, to put this aside, to put it in a box, if you will. But I don't know that everybody else has to be expected to do that. And it's a really tough balance to strike. So you got the Super Bowl and you've got all these hours of pregame shows like this one and then what you're going to watch on television later. And then in the postgame, in terms of putting into context from an uh, NFL history perspective, Andy Reid, the coach. Well, how much do you include that Andy Reid, you know, the dad? And so – it's a really difficult thing. Here's what you hope doesn't happen. Here's what you hope that they don't, number one, trivialize what happened to the family that was, you know, has this little girl exactly. waiting in, in, in intensive care, and they minimize the impact it has on other lives and other families. And, and the other thing is, is that you, you hope it's not ignored either, right? Because ignoring it is almost worse because I think that it is the, the proverbial elephant in the locker room. You can't ignore something this big and important in the context of someone's life. So there's a tough balance to strike. Let's hope they do it responsibly. But let's hope they do it because I think it's worth the effort. You know, the, and the to me, uh, David, the other element of this is I don't in any way believe it, it affects the game. But I do believe that the celebration would be fairly muted for Andy Reid. I do believe that if he pulls off this achievement, it's going to it's going to not be as happy a day as it could have been. You know, he won't be celebrating with his son. His son is not at the game uh, because of this incident. And um, you're absolutely right that it is just um, an absolute horror story for any parent to go through that sort of thing. And it, but but it's also part. It's something that that we need to be aware of during the broadcast as crazy as that may sound you know it is a way of of once again cautioning people of what can happen when you are when you are not uh in, in... go ahead it's awareness there's an obligation yes, to exactly. create the awareness of what happens when you have somebody who acknowledges having two or three drinks and getting behind the wheel. There is almost a responsibility to have to address this. And there will be some reporter that will get killed on social media tonight because he will or she will ask Andy Reid about this postgame. And if he's talking about a 35-31 to 31 victory over the Buccaneers and a back-to-back Super Bowl you know, championships and somebody asks him about how it felt to deal with the distractions of the past couple of days and the toll that it took – on his family, the fact that Britt Reed, his linebacker's coach, wasn't at the game, somebody will probably be accused of, okay, how can you ask that in this context? But it has to be asked, and I think it has to be responsibly addressed. You know, and I feel I feel good that we talked about it, frankly, because it's, it's helping me to kind of process it before I start my own little Super Bowl venture. And uh, I do love watching this game, and I do enjoy um, all of the uh, sort of – uh, pomp and circumstance that goes along with it, but I don't want to take it out of the context of of normal life, and I think that unfortunately, it's now going to be always connected to to some of us when you hear about a, a little kid. It just drives me crazy. But it's there, Molly. You know, and this is the season, and, and not to, to get too far. Look, this season has been about reality smacking us in the face every single day leading up to Sunday. Right? You 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 never know. If, if you're going to see the game that is on the schedule, you never know how a pandemic's going to affect, you know, the fan base, the, the team, the, your coaching staff, your front office, whatever it may be. It's affecting everybody. Reality 
is, you know, the, the, what happens for three hours every Sunday to some degrees is fantasy football in every sense of the word. You know, whether or not you have a team that you're trying to win some money on and, and, and following the yardage and all those things and touchdowns, but it's an escape for a lot of people. But this is, this is a reminder. This season has been all about reality in the midst of a pandemic. And, and, that, and Andy Reid, unfortunately, along with the family back in Kansas City, they're all dealing with the reality that happened Friday night in an unfortunate accident that, that probably could have been avoided. Happened Friday night, really reported uh, fully on Saturday. So that would explain uh, my, I think I saw it Friday night, to be honest with yep. you. But um, yeah, it just, um, just awful stuff. Uh, again, you know, Britt Reed is married and has three children. That that also, you know, don't you hate the idea that, that the kid is going to, someday read about his father doing it's just, the whole thing just is is horrible for people and that's life that's what we deal with uh again um in in america with this opioid crisis which started the guy on his path i'm not suggesting that he was doing any of that this time apparently he said two or three drinks but if you're if you're red-eyed and you smell a booze i mean who knows right it's uh yep. it's a horror story and and uh and and we're we're here to talk about happier things, and I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to drag you down, David. But I do think it's important no, it's important. We needed to yeah. address it. We can get back to football. That's in yes. the context of the entire night of the challenge ahead for everybody. And so uh, let's hope they they uh, report about it and talk about it in the pregame and during the game, perhaps. But now get back to breaking down the Chiefs versus Bucks. Yes, and we'll do that next. We're going to talk about the the Chiefs in terms of protection for Patrick Mahomes. I guess the question, David, uh, Patrick Mahomes always has tons of time, and if he doesn't have it, he creates it. Um, does he need protection? Can can we come away from a game and say, yeah, you know, sure, they have offensive linemen, but he doesn't need them to block. I mean, look at what Pat can do. Uh, I, I just think that's kind of I, – I, if, if we had these injuries uh, with Tampa – I don't think we'd be talking about Tom doesn't need protection, but we have to have the, the, the conversation with Patrick. And I will tell you the player who I believe had the hardest time sleeping last night. I love it. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. I've been pretty vocal about this in the past, but Olin Cruz for sure. I mean, he's the guy that, uh, you know, the first guy that I really watched as an offensive lineman. Uh, just loved the way he played the game, loved his physicality, his mentality. I mean, plays the way he played the way that you know offensive line was meant to be played so he was definitely the guy that uh you know I wanted to emulate my game after you know Roberto Garza was another one that um I loved you know and then of course you always had the slight dream of you know being a skilled position and maybe you know have a gross birth thin out never know <laughs> but those two guys for sure that's Nick Allegretti I love that clip that is fantastic he was on with Speaks at Grody last week, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, Chiefs lineman, Chicago-area guy, grew up in Frankfurt and uh, went to Lincoln Way East, High, Illinois, went to college there, and uh, and he's a Super Bowl champion already with Kansas City last year, and uh, pretty fun to, uh, to see that go on. Seventh-round draft pick, went to Illinois, and played for Lovey Smith, and I think yeah. that might have been how – Olin Cruz got connected with Nick Allegretti, but our guy Olin worked with Nick uh, after his Illinois career was over, I believe, getting him ready for the NFL. And, and it's, it worked out that, that Nick Allegretti was a big fan of Olin Cruz 
growing up. It makes a lot of sense when you see a lineman kind of that is from the area, Lincoln Way East, 2014 graduate. Uh, Olin helped him out, and now here Nick Allegretti is back-to-back Super Bowls. <laughs> what a what a charmed football life he's leading right now, and he is going to be starting his 13th game, I believe, in a row. Molly at left guard. This is going to be a big challenge for the Chiefs offensive line without Eric Fisher at left tackle because that Bucks pass rush will be fierce they can stop the run they can do a lot of things in the middle there but that is going to be if the Bucks have a clear path to success tonight it will be through their defensive front yeah it, you know it's really interesting because when you think about the number of injuries that Kansas City has sustained uh, on their offensive line, the way that they have uh, seemingly been unaffected by it. And then you think, well, the Packers were doing pretty good uh, without David Bakhtiari right up to the point where they played uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. And, and, and what was Roger sacked five times? I mean, that's a lot of sacks for that group to surrender and for that quarterback to face uh, these days. They have improved their offensive line significantly, and, and you lose your best one. You lose a Pro Bowl left tackle, and it's not hmm. supposed to be easy. Hmm. You, see a, you see a semblance there? Do you worry about that? <laughs> yes, I that? do. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Where, where have we seen this before? Okay, the Packers without their Pro Bowl left tackle, and here we are with the Chiefs facing the same dilemma tonight, and that's why I believe that of all the players who were ensconced in the team hotel, wherever they are staying in the Tampa St. Pete area, I don't know where the Chiefs are, are spending the night or did. Mike Remmers had a hard time sleeping. He had the hardest time putting his head on the pillow and, and falling into a deep sleep than I think any other player in a Chiefs uniform because Mike Remmers, if you will recall, was the right tackle on the other side of the line of scrimmage back in 2016 when the Broncos wrecked any chance the Panthers had of winning Super Bowl 50. And Mike Remmers, facing Von Miller, gave up seven hurries and three sacks. And the game was over when Von Miller had the sack strip fumble of, of Cam Newton. That was basically the biggest mismatch that was exploited. The Broncos win 24-10. to 10. Mike Remmers is a name you might remember only because of that night. And tonight, the challenge is almost as great. I, I had to laugh out loud because I read a thing that said that the um, somebody was on Twitter and I wrote down the statistic, but I did not write down the actual uh, person who tweeted it out. But the cap hit for the, the Chiefs starting offensive line is $6,293,616. That's, that's the guys, not the guys that are out, you know, but just the starters. And Eric Berry has a dead cap hit of $8 million. So oh my gosh. you got five players lining up for the Chiefs that will make well, less money than a dead cap hit. That's remarkable because here's Remmers playing the most important. I mean, okay, center is probably yeah. the most important position, but left tackle is where the money is made and you're protecting the blind side of the MVP caliber quarterback. And here is a guy that is playing with his seventh NFL team. He joined the Chiefs this year. Last year he was with the Giants. A year before that he was with the Vikings. Before he, you know, was was probably ushered out of Carolina in in wearing sunglasses in in a, in a disguise so nobody recognized him at the airport. So this is a guy that will have the spotlight on him tonight at left tackle. And I believe 
with the edge rushers, Shaq Barrett and, and Jason Pierre-Paul for the Buccaneers, they're looking at that and they're thinking that's an opportunity. And I know the rest of the Chiefs offensive line far from proven, but Mike Remmers might be the, the softest spot on that line. And if you attack, you may feel like you can get to Mahomes and make him do something he's not prone to do, and that's make a mistake. They, um, they've they got uh, Austin Ryder making $3.7 million. So that's like a proper NFL salary, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, Remmers, one point one eight, <laughs> and Steve Wisniewski, just over a million, and uh, and that's th- those are the those are the only millionaires on the line. And, and these are veterans' minimum, you know, salary oh, basically. Yeah. The, yeah, these are guys right. who are rank and file of the rank and file. <laughs> you know, it it is definitely shows you that you have a team with the Chiefs. It just gives you even more respect for, number one, how talented their skill position players are and explosive, the Tyree Kills and, and Kelsey's and, and Mahomes, and, and their running backs are very, very good. But also, Molly, you, you have an offensive line as limited as the Chiefs' salary situation suggests. Your scheme is, is doing something right in able that they're able to that the scheme is able to protect these guys from themselves and not play you know make a weakness an even bigger weakness and that's a credit to Andy Reid Eric Bieniemy, and, and that entire staff yeah uh, without a shadow of a doubt I mean Wisniewski signed in November uh, to the practice squad he wasn't promoted to the roster till uh, like mid-December and um, you know you look at what they have gone through and you think well, that can't work, right? How can that work? Well, when you have the amount, uh, you know, when you have the play callers, and, and I mean, they showed a play, uh, it was a fantastic play, where uh, I believe uh, it was Kelsey looked like he was staying in, and all of a sudden he does this little little kind of dip and turn, and now he's out with two other guys in the open field, and they do a handoff and end around, and then you got Tyreek Hill moving like 150 miles an hour, and you got all these bodies covered. So it wasn't a touchdown, but it was a huge gain. And that sort of thing is – that kind of play calling is going to take advantage of, of the aggressiveness of a defense and all the rest of it. They're really trying to set you up in different ways. And we know Andy Reid is like the king of the screen pass. So Mahomes might not be able to – he might have to get rid of the ball a little quicker than he wants to, or yes. he may just decide to to take off and to cause some issues and to and to let his feet do the talking, even with a bad toe. Well, so let's look at this from Todd Bowles' perspective because I think that is where this is an opportunity, or maybe if plays into your your mindset if you're formulating your game plan. So you know that you have, you know, an offensive line not at its and not at its strongest point of the season. I mean, that is they're they're injured. They're vulnerable, and so would you look at that as, A, okay, I'm coming after him. I'm coming all out. I'm coming blitz after blitz. If you see the, the linebackers coming, I'm going to bring a safety. If you think the safety's coming, I'm bringing a cornerback. Do you do that? Or Because that's really Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles likes to be aggressive. Or, as we talked about on Friday, Molly, I wonder, I wonder if this is an opportunity for Todd Bowles and the Bucks to say, okay, we can get there. We can get home with four. And as we get home with four, if we can do that with our, our strength of our edge rushers, we're going to disguise coverage. We're going to double Tyreek Hill. We're going to do everything so we don't 
let someone get behind us. We're going to stay deep as the deepest, wide as the widest. We're going to get things underneath that may hurt us. But we're going to get home with four and use coverage to keep this game close. Because if it's close, we're going to let the GOAT win it in the end. We have to keep this game close, so we're going to take a more conservative approach and get home and rush the passer with four guys. Well, the first game they played, Tyreek Hill killed them. And I mean, he destroyed them. And he did it basically right out of the gate. I mean, he came out and he terrorized them. I would imagine if you're Todd Bowles and you look at your game plan, you got to say, well, we can't let that happen. We can't let that guy blow up the game because guess what? His yak ability, he'll blow up the game on you. So I think that their issues on the offensive line – it, it gives you an opportunity to still win with rushing four. You know, you mentioned um, JPP and, and Jack Barrett. Those are guys that can dominate the game even against double teams. And and one of the two of them should be able to do something. They've got uh, Vita Vea back. Uh, I, I just think that given where you are with Tampa, you can choose to double team. And, you know, I don't know how you double-team both Kelsey and uh, and uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, but you got, you got a chance to get more help to your very young secondary, and I would take advantage of that. If the Bucks can win this game, it'll be, I think, because Shaq Barrett wrecks the game plan for the Chiefs somehow, some way. He, to me, is the key to the Bucks winning this game on defense. 312-644-6767. We're going to give you uh, – we had a lot of fun with Joe Fortenbaugh uh, earlier in the uh, in the week, uh, and we're going to give you some of uh, his picks, and we're also going to tell you what all the people that we talked to. We've got a lot for you. We've got another hour left. It is our emergency Super Bowl broadcast. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. But I will tell you this. If he's cutting my hair and halfway done, and they tell him he got to stop. Oh, he finishing my head. I'm not going to walk out with a half. No, I'm not doing that.